0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Uh, we've got another great episode lined up for you today. All right. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Algorithmia, a Seattle-based startup that's created an online marketplace that connects academics building powerful algorithms with app developers who can put them to use. The company was founded in 2013 and to date has raised almost $2.5 million in funding. So today I'd like to welcome Diego Oppenheimer. Diego, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So you and I both have a common background. We were both uh, Microsoft guys uh, before we went on to do other things. Tell me a little bit about what you were doing at at Microsoft.
1: Sure. Um, So I was actually uh, on the Excel team, so actually building Microsoft Excel uh, for about five and a half years. Specifically, I was responsible for what are called the business intelligence tools or the advanced data analysis tools, things like uh, pivot tables, uh, connections to databases, connections to big data. Um, I was very involved in the effort of getting uh Picture like Power Pivot and Power BI, uh, kind of the first versions of those out the door uh, during my time there.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are the kinds of things that probably anybody who uses Excel or has used Excel at any point has probably used those features, right?
1: Yeah, I know it's, it's definitely one of those things where I get to, I, I get, to, I get to say that uh, features that I I've built have been uh, used by a billion users across the globe, and I'm very proud of that.
0: That that is awesome. Okay. Um, now, I like to start by asking my guests uh, just to try and figure out what drives and and motivates them to do what they do. So, is do you do you have a favorite success quote? Something that that inspires you? Uh,
1: Sure. So, so I come from a a, a family of entrepreneurs, and growing up, my father had in his desk and you know and something that he carried throughout his while he started his own business. This. this very brief quote that was always on the wall that said, no guts, no glory. Um, it's very simple, but I kind of think it, in it embattles like, you know, everything that entrepreneurship is about, which is if you're not going to put, if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't put everything into it, like there's never going to be any glory with not trying. And so I think that's kind of like the, the guiding star for everything. I've done, including this journey for me, which is, uh, yeah, no guts, no glory.
0: Give the audience a better understanding of, uh, algorithmia. Can you tell me, uh, just a little bit more about, you know, what, what is the problem that you guys uh, are trying to solve here?
1: Sure. So the the idea actually came out of my uh, co-founder while he was in uh, academia, and uh, so he was doing his PhD in artificial intelligence. And what he started realizing was that a lot of the work that he was doing very, very advanced algorithmic work, things that were very applicable to the real world, where. Just not making it out into you know the hands of people who could use it. The general academic well, way of look, the way that research is done is that they get rewarded for being cited, they get rewarded for publishing papers and talking at conferences, but they don't actually get rewarded for the uh, you know when a company grabs you know an innovative algorithm, an innovative methodology and starts using it. And that's kind of a shame because that's, you know, kind of a misalignment of where of how our reward system would go for you know, creating really impactful work. And so out of this frustration, uh, we, he started thinking and kind of sharing with me. We were friends for a while that, you know, if, could we create a system where these advanced algorithms, uh, not only across academia, but researchers, data scientists, people who are actually building these uh, you know algorithms could m- get them into the hands the people who would actually use them, not just talk about them, but actually put them into production systems and work with them. And that's kind of where the, the idea of Algorithmia was born. Could we create a marketplace where all this work became available and consumable? Because one of the things that we do is we actually provide them all these algorithms as a service. So they end up showing up as an API and they make them consumable and usable so that any application developer on earth could say, oh, I do want to use that advanced you know, face detection or face recognition algorithm. I do want to use that advanced advanced, uh, you know, route planning algorithm in my application. And they had a way to do that, uh, which is a little bit better than finding the obscure paper it was published in and then trying to, you know, put together code based on what was written in that paper.
0: Right. Yeah. So I think there are a number of challenges in, in trying to run a business like that, because you're right, you know, the, the, in the academic world, when these guys are developing these algorithms, there's no incentive, um, to actually focus on, implementation. And as you, you know, very well described that, you know, they have a different set of motivators. And then at the same time, it's about how do you then turn it into, how do you license it? How do you turn it into a usable piece of technology? How do you distribute it to the app developers on the other end? And the piece, the interesting piece here is that the the fact that you said that you run it as a service. So uh, that must make it really much easier for developers because they don't have to get into understanding the, the details of an algorithm, right? They can just, I mean, you know, call the service, few lines of code, and they're done, right?
1: Absolutely, and it's actually simpler for both sides. So, you know, when it really comes down to the core of what we do is we operationalize algorithms. So we've created an experience where, you know, from the supply side, of this marketplace, the algorithm developers, these researchers, these academics, they come in, they upload, you know, they put their code into our system, they hit submit, and that's all they need to do. Uh, and then we've created a system where we can make these algorithms scalable, we can make them distributed, we can, you know, we can meter them, we can operationalize them, really. And on the flip side of that, uh, of that is that you look at the demand side, and the demand side now has just this one endpoint, and they don't have to worry about, you know, how the algorithm was implemented. They don't have to worry. You know, they can trust our system that we have all the security measures behind it. Um, They can, they, they know that they, you know, if they want to call this algorithm many more times, it will be scaled automatically for them. So to a certain degree, like what we do is we really give you this, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of uh, removed the friction points between, you know, what, the you know the academics which want to increase the impact of their work so they want to get it into the hands of these businesses uh and technology companies and on the other side these technology companies that want to be doing the cutting edge you know stuff in their area and now they have access it and so really by removing the friction points on both sides uh is how you kind of get that service up and running and and you know a a win-win scenario for kind of for both sides uh
0: what's one of uh Maybe the most popular algorithms that you guys offer today
1: yeah so going along you know to, to your comment around just needing to understand like you know how to call the API so text analysis and computer vision are kind of the two big areas of that that are really interesting uh, today mostly because of how easy they understand so text analysis tools are the ones that do uh, it's in a field called natural language processing uh, and essentially it's being able to interpret uh, things out of text in an uh, automated fashion. So, you know, computers can understand what the topic of an, of an article is about or, you know, what the different, uh, you know, nouns in that article are. And so those are very easy to understand because usually the input is text and the output is going to be other text. And so very easy for any developer to understand without having to go really intricately into how they work. And the same thing for computer vision, where although the algorithms are like extremely intricate and complicated, you know, if I send in an image and it tells me like, you know, kind of the text where the face is, and we do this every day, if you think about Facebook, when you're tagging your friends. Uh, you know, that algorithm of actually detecting a face on an image is actually really, really complicated. And there's a lot of technology that goes behind it, yet we do it every day like it was nothing. So it's very easy to understand how to use them, uh, but they're complicated to like get them up and running yourself. And so those are kind of, for those reasons, is why uh, they, they end up being so popular in our services, because people know how to use them, want to use them, and they wouldn't really be able to get them up and running themselves otherwise.
0: Do you allow third parties to submit their own algorithm or or as a service or is that something you and your team will build yourselves
1: so like anybody can come in to algorithmia and post their algorithm and publish it to our marketplace Uh, so anybody can do that Uh, you don't have to and and then you can decide what you want to charge for it you can decide uh, you know, kind of what the permissions come with it. You what, you can decide even if you want it to be open source or closed source. So that's complete control of the algorithm developer, and it's a very it, the entire model is very self served. And so then we display these characteristics on the other side to the demand uh, and showcase them. And so you know, there's reputation behind each developer, uh, very very similar to how you know a GitHub or you know some other com- uh, you know kind of more social uh, code building uh, applications are in the sense that there's reputation behind it you can you know link to the, if you're the professor who created the algorithm you can link to your paper and kind of who you are and stuff like that
0: got it okay so let's go back to the early days when you came up with this idea with your co-founder it's it's Kenny Kenny Daniel right that's correct so t- tell me about the day that you and Kenny first had this conversation about starting this business
1: uh, okay. So that's actually a long, long time ago. So Kenny and I met our freshman year in college. So, uh, long time ago. And we kind of always had this passion for, uh, really kind of geeking out together uh, on different topics. <laughs> uh, it was really, I came around that, uh, many, many nights of just kind of discussing different things that interested us. Uh, Kenny's interest was always in intelligent marketplaces. So like you could definitely see a, a, uh, a line of thinking that was perfected over years and years of undergraduate and then graduate level education uh, and thinking about this space. It really came to us, we, you know, 2008, when I finished my master's, 2007, I finished my master's degree. And I had a couple months before we, uh, before I started working at Microsoft. I I called over to Kenny and I said, you know, um, you know, we've always talked about starting a company together. This is the really early days let's go on a trip together and, you know, kind of like, let's take some time off. Let's go backpacking and let's talk, you know, let's obviously enjoy the the exploration and, you know, the traveling and all that stuff because we were friends. But like, I think it would be a good time of kind of really getting unobstructed time to kind of let ideas flow. And so this is, a, you know, early 2008. We actually went backpacking through Australia and New Zealand for a couple of months um, and really started developing the idea there. We had a notebook and we had a laptop and in our, you know, in a tent. And we kind of started building out the idea and discussing what a computation marketplace would look like and what a algorithm marketplace might look like in, in kind of developing those ideas. And those ideas went, you know, we evolved them more and more and more over the years but, and it really wasn't until 2013, uh, you know, so many years later, where we really thought we had a grasp on what the problem was and where, uh, you know, where we could bring a lot of value uh, by creating an actual marketplace around algorithms as a service, the first al- marketplace for algorithms as a service.
0: Okay, cool, okay, so two thousand and thirteen, you feel like you've got you've got a good handle on the problem how How did you guys get started with the business? What was the first thing that you did?
1: um, so a lot of investigation, right, and so the first thing was said is like you know our hypothesis was that there was a need for this marketplace. So the first thing we did is we figured out, yes, there was a ton of supply. We know that there was over, you know, we started doing research over 10,000 papers a year are published in computer science around algorithms alone. We knew that, uh, you know, there was a big, uh, you know, big supply and, and, and we'd seen it because, you know, Kenny was academic and his lab and his partners and all the conferences he was going to like, clear clear uh, distinction there that this was something that academics were yearning for to have a, a, a platform to uh, increase their impact on the other side we said okay so there's a the supply side we started looking for the demand side it was actually through my work at Microsoft that you know the, the, the demand side really kind of popped up one of the things that we needed to do on the Excel team was kind of figure out there's features kind of automatic pivot tables and uh, a couple other features that we, we, we created that they required some deep algorithmic thinking to be able to kind of understand the data and build the feature around it. And although we had some extremely talented application developers on the Excel team, we didn't really have algorithm developers. Uh, it just wasn't a skill set that was particularly there. Um, and so we would go to Microsoft Research. And at Microsoft research $7 billion research center, uh, you know, we would start looking there and after months of searching and talking to people, finally, I get contacted with these, with this, uh, you know, algorithm developer there, and he tells me that he's been working on the exact feature that I wanted for six years, and it's in Excel already. And we had no idea. <laughs> and, and so, you know, knowing that Microsoft is actually one of the best companies out there to commercialize their research, uh, and seeing how miserably that was breaking down uh, you know, that, 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 failure right there, I was like, wow. Okay. And so that situation very, very similar happened like two, three more times. And so that was kind of another validation there of like, you know what, this is like clearly a problem. Like even in a company that is kind of designed for having research center push to, you know, you know, push their work to get implemented, uh, it's failing. And even when it's like a very, very obvious transition, like the same product and exactly the same feature you want. And so, you know, a lot of validation along those lines were done. You know, we started talking to people in the space, you know, heads of data science at different big companies and saying, what are the problems that you're having? Like, why are you not using, you know, why is a team of 60 data scientists at, you know, X Fortune 500 company not using the state of the art? In terms of algorithms and they started telling us well because it's not easy enough because you know the the risk reward ratio is off because we don't have time so like all these factors ended up like kind of building into okay so we know there's a demand for it and like these are the things that the demand is saying like we need to address it being very very easy to use we need to make trial and error very easy uh we need to make it uh, very obvious and, and easy to discover we need the explanations to be there so a lot of these things essentially like Our feature list was being built for us by uh, kind of listening to, you know, why they wouldn't use, you know, the state of the art research that's coming out of these universities. Um, And so that's what we spent, you know, months in the beginning of really collecting that data and understanding it and writing it down and kind of prototyping what that might look like. When
0: When you were talking to these guys, were you pitching the idea of what would become algorithmia or were you trying to focus purely on the problem and just understanding why things were the way they were?
1: No, we were trying to focus on the problem for the most part. You know, we had this idea that we wanted you know, we were still kind of like naive in the sense that, like, don't talk about your idea or, you know, somebody's going to steal it. Uh, and, you know, halfway through that process, realized the ideas are done a dozen. And it doesn't really matter. You could be screaming it at the top of your lungs on a rooftop. And as long as, you know, whoever was going to win is the one who's going to have the best execution. Yeah, uh, and well, so, I, you know, I,
0: I wouldn't call that naive. I call that actually smart because uh, w- one of the the mistakes that I see often happening is, is people get so hung up on the idea that they go out there trying to get validation for their idea instead of validating that there's actually a problem that needs to be solved. Um, so I think w- what you guys did uh, is something that I think more people should be doing, which is just really keep digging until you really get a, you know, a really solid grasp on what the problem is. And, and I guess keep asking, you know, I heard you say why a lot of times and it's like, keep asking why until you really get to the root cause of it. So, okay. So you guys have got a, you know, a pretty good handle now. And you, you mentioned something about prototyping. So were you, were you still at Microsoft when you were doing this research or had you left and what was going on?
1: Um, so, you know, as soon as we started kind of taking this seriously, I, uh, you know. Ask, Microsoft have this thing that called moonlighting. They allow you to do as long as it doesn't affect your, your normal job and it's not really competitive and it wasn't competitive to what I was doing. Um, so I was spending nights doing this, not to the happiness of my wife, but, uh, <laughs> uh a lot of, you know, like I would, uh, you know, I was, I was sending out a lot of emails trying to get conversations started with people in the data world. Uh, and, and, and a lot of this was kind of like planning and talking, uh, uh, Kenny's a night owl. So it was kind of easy in that sense, you know, I'd get online with him at like 10pm and go to very early hours in the morning, you know, kind of discussing and, and kind of planning these things out. We went through a couple of iterations of the product that were like, quite honestly, just didn't work out at all. Initially, we thought that we were going to be an algorithm optimization platform, where uh, we were going to have defined problems and people were going to like submit you know their algorithms against that problem, and see who had the best algorithm. And then immediately with that submission, we would turn that into an API endpoint. Uh, and so you would have the best algorithms for each problem. And you know that was actually the first iteration of what we built, and it was terrible—not uh, terrible. I mean, like it was—it was a really interesting product, but like you know, like it was riddled with problems and wasn't really uh, you know solving a business case. And uh, you know, we very quickly realized that uh, you know it, we weren't going to be able to expand on that. And so, uh, you know, kind of being alert to what's not working and being willing to kind of kill off, you know, things that weren't working, I think uh, played in our favor in those days.
0: I guess you left Microsoft when in August 2013. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess, was the time where you decided that you were going to make a leap. Yep. And, and do this thing full time. Did you guys decide to look for funding right away then, or did that happen a little later?
1: No, we weren't ready at that point. We had been talking that we would kind of continue doing moonlighting. So Kenny was also at a a different job at that point. He was working at a different startup. We decided that we would push that boundary as far as we could. And, you know, at the time, like in August of 2013, we had already started writing code. Uh, We were both writing code. Now it was taking a lot of time. And when I mean a lot of time, it means like I was going to Microsoft from nine to five, coming home, going to the gym, and then sitting down at like 8 or 9 p.m. and like coding until 4 or 5 in the morning and then restarting the next day. Um, That got just to a point where we thought that to be able to continue exploring algorithmia and to be able to really dedicate time to it, like it couldn't be part-time. And on top of that, if if we wanted to raise money, which, you know, we were starting to think about, no investor, angel, anybody is really going to give you money while you're working part-time. It just doesn't work that way. They need like, you, they, they need to know that like their money is being like, quote unquote, it's such a risky proposition to them that they need to know that at least you are committed 100% behind their money. Yeah. And so that was like, you know, pretty obvious to us in that sense. And so we said, well, uh, we, one of the things needs to, you know, my wife came to me and essentially is like, okay, you can't do both of these things anymore. It's kind of ridiculous. Pick one and, you know. Nicely enough, I got to pick the one I actually wanted to work on, which was algorithm at the time.
0: Very cool. Okay. So how how long did it take you guys, uh, or tell me about how far you got with the product and the business before you decided you were going to get funding?
1: So we took our, you know, we had a beta program. We had launched a MVP with a very capital M uh, (laughs) uh, at the time. And, you know, based on that, we were looking at, you know, we had gotten our first couple customers, we had users, we had gotten stressed at the time. We got a couple of lucky breaks in the sense that you know we were we were exploring a, a space that was so new uh, that it was that was people were starting to listen. Uh, and we got a little bit of mind share that way and uh, managed to uh, pick up our you know kind of first couple hundred beta testers after you know some some blog posts that we did. And that allowed us to kind of iterate a lot on the product over and over and over again and you know we didn't really feel like we were gonna we didn't start the proper funding process until march of 2014 uh, and it still took a while right again like very very new product just two guys uh working on it kind of out there thought you know thinking and and so uh it was definitely not a it wasn't a slam like i didn't walk into you know a VC office and and just get and leave with a check (laughs) (laughs) on the the first try. Let's put it that way. So
0: had either of you run a business before? I
1: had started a small startup in college and I had also had experience working as part of different types of businesses for a long time, but none of, neither of us had at this scale, like really, you know, started something like where we plan, you know, get to get this big. So our startup in university, uh, was, a a small algorithmic trading company. And there's five of us. And we actually sold the company, not for anything worth really commenting on. But, <laughs> but you know, so we had gotten that experience. You know, I had raised a little bit of money from angels. I had done a lot of business development. So I had gotten a little bit of my chops there, but not really. That was, and, this was kind of like our first go for both of us and at, at the scale.
0: And, and when you said you you had some early customers, were you charging for the product at that point?
1: Yes. So we had a couple of, you know, first customers uh, where, you know, we were, you know, to a certain degree, just giving up, you know, we were, were working with them and they're, uh, you know, to get stuff that they wanted on our, on our platform and be able to run it. And it really looked a lot more like a very, very, very discounting, discounted consulting gig, <laughs> which, you know, they were getting a very, very cheap price for. Uh, but, you know, it allowed us to like kind of explore talking to customers and bringing them on the platform and have them explore it and give us feedback. And and, and so we had gotten a couple of those but nothing like really significant. We, we had made a couple of dollars, uh, you know, before raising any money.
0: So when you said discounted consulting gig, it, it, it was because you guys, it was very high touch. You guys were putting a lot of time into right. helping these guys solve the problem, but you were pricing it more like it was a, a product.
1: Correct. Right. Okay. Correct. Exactly. I was, it was one of those things where, you know, they say things, do things that don't scale. Like, what's this the ultimate not scaling thing. <laughs> uh, but it allowed us, you know, it, it you know, I, I, the way that we saw it, the way that we interpreted it is like, we were, you know, uh, we were getting a minimal amount of money. We were getting paid for the privilege to get like a lot of time with potential customers and really listening to them and like what they wanted and how they wanted to build it and like what they were looking for and really kind of building out from there what the friction point. So uh, these first couple ones that we had, even though they like, Essentially, you know, I don't want to say randomized because they're not really randomized, but they took a lot of time dealing with, really led us to the next couple of steps with the company. So well worth it.
0: When you uh, went full time working on this business, what kind of runway did you guys have for yourselves
1: you know i I came from a like finance background uh to a certain degree i worked on on, and so i had planned out a year without a salary a year without a salary is what as far as we could take it uh and so and that was in like that the the clock started ticking in november uh, of 2013 uh and so that was essentially where we said you know with kenny we said look we can both afford a year, you know, of, of doing this. We're lucky enough that we come in an industry where the opportunity cost is extremely low uh, in the sense that, you know, it, we're not really risking not having jobs in a year. You know, we really needed to, like, quit on this and go find a different job. Like, we could do that. Uh, so a very unique position. You know, that's not something that I, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of having been in that position. And we're lucky enough in the world of software that that's the case today. Uh, it obviously does not translate to every industry in that way. But, yes. Yeah, so so about a year is really where we where we where we had set the mark.
0: Okay, so I you I think you said in March 2014 you guys decided to get funding. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about the process that you went through? Because you, you'd mentioned earlier before we started recording that it was a little different.
1: Yeah, so you know, um, given that we were an algorithm company, it made sense to write code to try to do at least as much of the. Uh, fundraising for us as possible. And so a lot of the things that we did was actually use resources like AngelList and LinkedIn and and our other connections like Facebook and stuff like that to try to understand what investors were interested in this space but also which ones we were most directly connected to and you know and so a lot of this time was spent you know me writing these fairly complex excel spreadsheets that were pulling data from the uh, these different sources and then kind of rating the investors by, uh, you know, how likely or not they should be. It's very similar to how, like, kind of business development folks do their world, where, like, you know, they kind of do these ratings into, like, best fit, not best fit and kind of how they're going to approach it. And then once I kind of had this mega spreadsheet of investors based on location and interest and what they had invested in previously and, like, where did we consider that they had invested in maybe a competitor, I grew grab that list and kind of like grab the you know the top 60 and flipped it and started from the bottom so the least fit being the ones I, we started with because we figured that our pitch was going to be awful at that time and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that we were going to learn on the way and we were going to get questions and like all these you know smart vcs like asking an angels asking us like really good questions and we were like you know halfway through the list you'll probably have gotten all the questions and at that point you'll know how to answer them and so once you're halfway through the list and this is like our theory was you know, now you're going to be like spitting off answers to those really hard questions like, you know, without hesitation. And so we kind of designed that process in a very, very programmatic way, uh, which was which ended up being successful for us. That said, you know, it's a sample set of one. So, you know, I can't really I don't know if it's repeatable. Uh, It's just, you know, we when we tell that story, people are have always kind of been fascinated because it's been very different from how they have approached fundraising.
0: I would expect nothing less from a former Excel data <laughs> guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's
1: something to be said about that. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's really clever about you, you know, flipping the list and kind of going, well, those guys are going to reject us anyway. So let's use that as a great opportunity to, you know, refine our pitch for the guys that that matter. Yeah. So, uh, how much did you initially raise in that, in that round?
1: Um, so we have only raised one round. Essentially, we had a, a, a convertible note that we opened, and that, that turned into a uh, you know a proper round. So two point four five was the total. Two point five four five million is the total that we raised in one go, um, and that's all the money we've raised up until date.
0: How did that change things for you? What 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 is different about the business now?
1: Well, you know, up until that point, there was just two of us, right, and so. That was, you know, it was very limiting. So I guess the first thing that, uh, you know, it was allowed us to do is hire a team, which has been like a fascinating journey, even up until now, convincing people about your idea and getting them passionate, but like more importantly, actually convincing people that they own this too. Uh, and seeing the passion that they put behind it, and like how much they care about the product, uh, to the point of like you know getting mad when the product gets criticized, and like you know for us it's kind of obvious that was our baby. But like being able to that seeing that translated into a full team caring so much about the same product that like you know was a notebook you know between me and Kenny a couple years back, that's been by far like not only the most rewarding but also like the most surprising and like a Still I'm in awe every day. You know, I walk into the office every day and like, you know, all these conversations and talking to 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 our teammates and seeing how passionate they are uh is really what you know it's a big motivator for me to come back every day.
0: What's the size of
1: the team right now? Um so we're approaching nine. So we okay. sent out an offer. Yeah. So still sub
0: ten, very small. <laughs> and are you gonna keep it like that for a while or do you have plans to sort of grow um, further?
1: Yeah, we, we currently have, um, you know, four open positions, so, you know, we'll probably get to, you know, the 12, 13 mark and be there for a while. You know, there's kind of these, these jumps in, 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 in startups, you know, you go from the sub 10 to the, you know, sub 20 and then the next one's like sub 50 and like each one of those, a very, very different set of challenges, a very, very different like set of growing pains, um, you know, well, as you start establishing yourself as, as more and more a company, you know, uh, I, I I don't get to, you know, meetings aren't just when I, when I, you know, like we used to be when I would just like call Kenny at one o'clock in the morning and be like, Hey, can we uh, talk about this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, you know, those things kind of, you know, come with the, with that territory, but it's really, I mean, it's been fascinating to me.
0: Looking back at the journey that you, you've taken over the last couple of years, if you were doing this again, what what are some of the things that you would want to do differently? <sighs>
1: so looking at things that we want to do differently. Um, you know, I feel like we made, I mean, as expected, kind of a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, everything from uh, the way we were doing interviews, some hiring decisions, some financing decisions, that I would have just, you know, Rather make decisions. Like, I think the biggest thing for, like, the biggest lesson learned is the importance of speed um, and just really, you know, coming down on decisions quickly and not letting them. So, and, like, this is kind of like one of the biggest transition, like, happens, uh, you know, when you go from a company like Microsoft to a startup, right? Where at Microsoft, you could kind of dilly dally on a decision for a couple of months and kind of see how it plays out. And in a startup, you just can't. You have to make that decision quickly. Um, and, and, and move on and, and be wrong, right? Like make the decision, mess it up, know that you messed it up, never make that decision again. But like that entire process needs to be compressed in, you know, instant, not, you know, over the course of six months.
0: Yeah. I think it's a very hard transition to make. and, And I think not everyone can make that leap from sort of that Microsoft type culture to a startup world because They are so different. And I think at Microsoft, everything, you you sort of start everything by thinking about making it scalable. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, when you were working on Excel, I think, you know, earlier. I think you mentioned, you know, you had a billion users, right? So it's a completely different set of challenges and a mindset that you have to take to, to approaching those, those problems. Yeah. What does, what does, uh, what does the future for algorithmia look like? I mean, what, what, what sort of, is it, what's you what are you guys working on right now that you're excited about? And is this something that you can share in terms of where you're headed with the business?
1: Absolutely. Um, you yeah, I mean, we're excited just based on like the amount of, growth that we're seeing In terms of people using our product, you know, we just recently hit a a milestone for us, which was we have over fourteen thousand developers on the platform, and this is a a goal that we thought was going to take a couple of years to achieve, and it's it's been months. Uh, So very very excited about that. Um, You know, definitely, and seeing what people are building with our product, you know, that's every single time that somebody kind of sends us a demo or sends us, hey, I built this into my application. I'm using this out. Algorithm. that's been fantastic making you know we we partner with universities uh and so we've partnered with the first couple of universities and we have a whole another batch of these universities in the pipeline that uh should be closing soon and you know just seeing the you know how our our brand are you know and and our product is expanding um is really the you know kind of What's next? And like what we're fostering a lot of, right? Yeah. You know, so up until now, it's been a lot of internal building. We had essentially. Uh, The last 12 months have been get a reliable system up and running. You know, when I talked about like that capital MVP, you know, like that needed to be transformed into a product. And that was a monumental effort on part of our team to be able from like, you know, last September, October, we started hiring the first couple of engineers to where we are today to now we actually have a released, stable, reliable platform that people can run their businesses on. Uh, and now it's a question of turning that around now and going and reaching those people and bringing them in and doing a lot of the efforts of, you know, that evangelism and bringing more and more users in and, and increasing their dependency on our platform. Um, and so it's a it's it's it's, been, it's it's an inflection point for us in kind of a, the direction that we have been working on, which was very focused internally to now we're going to start, you know, we've started focusing externally.
0: Well, I, I think it's a fascinating business uh, what you got, and the problem that you guys are solving here, because potentially it it gets really sort of bleeding edge solutions into the hands of app developers a lot faster, a lot earlier than maybe what they're able to do today. And and the model that you guys have makes it super easy for for them to also be able to implement that into their own products. So. Uh, I'm really, really fascinated by where where you guys are headed with this. All right. Uh, so it's time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you uh, a series of questions and like you to just answer them as quickly as you can. You ready? Sounds good. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received?
1: Uh, treat secretaries, executive assistants and office managers like they run their place because they actually do.
0: (laughs) Because they do. (laughs) What book would you recommend to our audience and why? I'm going
1: to cheat. i and say two. The first one is Delivering Happiness by Tani Se, uh, the founder of Zappos. Everything you need to know about customer service and how to treat customers is beautifully set up in that book. And on the slightly more morbid side of things, The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz, where it's like a very good perspective on everything that can go wrong and how perseverance, you know, is kind of, you know, how you have to push through it as an interpreter.
0: Yeah. I mean, both are great books. And and the thing about um Ben's book is that, I mean, who would want to run a startup after you read that book? <laughs>
1: right. it's like... well, I, I think I think that that should be a test, right? I mean, yeah. like that's like, like it should be like read this book, and if you're still like, uh, yeah, I was depressed after reading that book. Like, look, yeah. My wife, my like, I was discussing it with my wife, and she's like, I was kind of explaining it to her, and she's like, Why are you doing this? Um, but yeah, like I, it was actually uh, you know after reading that, I was like, Okay, I get it. Like yes, that's why that's why we do this. You know, it's it's the ultimate challenge.
0: Yeah. Um, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Um, to be shameless,
1: uh, and not in the sense of like, you know, obviously you want to be uh, honest and, you know, have good morals. But what when I mean by shameless, is like really nothing's beneath you, right? Like you hear about all these great entrepreneurs. They were the janitors at their offices. They were the ones going to get coffee for their teams. Um, you know, to really be successful. I think you just have to like really, really be shameless and do whatever it takes.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Um, inbox zero. Uh, so at Microsoft, you would get drowned in emails all the time and it would be like 50% of your time would be reading email. So one of the things that we did at at algorithm is we pretty much don't use email at all. Uh, Everything's on live chat. But on top of that, I maintain inbox zero, uh, on a 24 sometimes slips a little bit more hour basis, uh, to you know, just rapidly going through it and making sure that like the only things that say in my inbox are important
0: very cool. Uh, what's a, another business idea that you, you maybe have, you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time?
1: I think the world of organizing logistics uh, and distributing, like, you know, if you think about all these like Uber for something companies that are popping up, there's a logistics problem behind there on how to do deliveries, how to coordinate drivers, how to do, uh, I call it the Amazon Fresh problem. Uh, I think there's something fascinating about that. There's an industry that hasn't really been... Uh, you know, shaken up yet? Like it's the same players. The large players are DHL, uh, you know, UPS, etc. And then the uh, you know the smaller players are these like logis- uh, logistics comp- company software that's been the same software since the nineties and like really
0: needs a up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Amazon just announced that they were getting into the restaurant delivery business. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean that doesn't surprise me. Amazon's trying to get into everything, right? So. <laughs> All right. What's an interesting or, or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Um, so I grew up in South America, so I'm really, really passionate about meat and barbecuing. <laughs> um, uh, I butcher my own meat. Uh, so I, go, wow. uh, and so I've done a lot of classes around butchering and, uh, uh, it's like, uh, something I enjoy doing and uh, it's actually a lot cheaper. And so, yeah, I, 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 I do that. Um, and one, you know, kind of one day, uh, the, the idea is to retire and, uh, Build out a little barbecue joint where me and my wife will manage.
0: Wow, where where in South America are you from?
1: Uruguay. Ah,
0: or is isn't it Uruguay? Yep, I mean Uruguay.
1: I got to pronounce it correctly. Yeah, well in Spanish it's Uruguay, so like that's why I.
0: (laughs) So uh, so what do you do? Like you go? There's like farms around in the Seattle area or something that you just go to and.
1: Yeah, most farms catching yeah, an yeah, animals. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit less, uh, you know, Wild West than that. But like <laughs> most, uh, most most farms will allow you to, like, you know, you can, you know, when they when they have calves or anything like that, you can kind of buy, you can buy, uh, you know, uh, pre-buy the kind of animal and ask them, you know, they'll, you know, once once it's time for you know for for, for them to be produced, then you can like, you know, buy kind of like in larger pieces of the of the animal, and you can break it down yourself. Uh, it becomes a lot more, you know, you get. Uh grass fed homegrown animals that you understand the whole life cycle it's gone through um and that it has been treated properly and so there's a lot of that, like there's a lot of goodness to uh kind of understanding where your meat comes from
0: yeah no i've never I've never got as far as even thinking about butchering my own meat, but I think one of the things that I do love about um, uh, this part of the world where we live in is that there's so much food that you can get that you can trace back to like local farms and, and places like that. And I don't know, but that just I don't know, it gives me, makes me feel better. I guess when I eat that stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, and finally, what is one of your, uh, most important passions outside of your work? So I'd,
1: I'd say like, I, I really like the idea, uh, and this is actually something being like kind of recently. So I have two, Nieces, I, I've been really on this thing where about like getting STEM education for girls and getting more girls into techn- to technology has been like a recent passion of mine. I, I came from a background with very strong personalities, female personalities in my in my in my, in my household. Uh, my mom ran, uh, you know, she was a, a president of her marketing in a large company. I saw the you know the kind of the passion there and like the whole this whole movement around not having enough women and and technology has been kind of, I don't know, struck a chord with me. And so it's something I've been really passionate trying to be more and more involved in.
0: That's great. That was really good. Cool. Diego, it's been a pleasure. Um, You know, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and and sharing your story about Algorithmia and and what you guys are doing. Um, And I had fun chatting as well. So now if folks want to get in touch with you or find about more about Algorithmia, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, so my email is diego at algorithmia.com. And if not on Twitter, my handle is D O P P E N H E.
0: Cool. And they can go to algorithmia.com if they want to find out more about the product. Exactly. Cool. Thanks, man. This has been a pleasure and, uh, I'll let you get back to work, I guess.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be on the, on the podcast. Thank you for having me.
0: Cheers.